I do appreciate the invitation, appreciate the songs, uh, appreciate the prayers uh, by Brother Cousin Jacob and Brother Curtis. Uh, very glad, very glad to be here. Um, you know, before Ashlyn and I got married, you all know she used to live here, and there was a time before we got married, we were doing some counseling with uh, Brother Lee Adair, and he told us we're going to have to make some decisions before we get married. Number one, to figure out, is this something we actually want to do? And can we actually work on making decisions to further our relationship? One of the decisions that had to be made was, where are we going to live? And uh, fortunately for me, maybe unfortunately for some of you, we chose to live in Tulsa uh, for a multiplicity of reasons that I'm not really going to go into, but we decided to live in Tulsa. And it's been about a year and a half now that we've lived up there, somewhere close to there. You know, every once in a while, Ashwin will discover and rediscover that Tulsa is just not Pearland. <laughs> There's a lot of things that she misses about Pearland and about the Houston area that Tulsa is just not that. And it became abundantly clear to me uh, that this phenomenon was going on when we decided to go to the state fair because she was excited because of all of the county fairs that she had been to. I threw these pictures up at home, and one of the brethren there said, well, at least her companionship improved. <laughs> but, I don't know, I guess an argument can be made. But, but as we were at this state fair, she, we, we would go through all the booths, and we would look at all the animals, and she would say, well, this just isn't like the one I'm used to. This just isn't like the one back home. And what I finally realized is that she's just homesick. <laughs> There's just things that she misses about being here. She misses this congregation here and the members therein. It's because that's what she's known her whole life. She misses, for whatever reason, she misses the traffic here more than she likes the traffic in Tulsa. I don't know, it's one of the craziest things she's ever said to me is the traffic in Houston is better than traffic in Tulsa. I don't understand it, but I guess she does. But she's homesick in a lot of ways. So what I, I want to talk about with you and what I want to ask you is, are you homesick? And I'm not asking, are you homesick for a place you used to live or the place you grew up in? I'm asking, are you homesick for heaven? You know, Jonathan led a song earlier, you know, I'm kind of homesick for a country which I've never been before. <laughs> and that's kind of the idea that we're going to be talking about. Not necessarily about heaven, but more of the mindset we have towards it. Are you homesick? Do you want to go home? You know, as we look at the Scriptures, we see a bunch of examples of men who were ready to go home. They wanted to go home. And I think one of those instances was the Apostle Paul. If we read in Philippians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, Paul says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ." which is far better. What Paul is saying here is, look, I've got two options. I can stay here and I can continue working. And he goes on to say, that would be better for you if I stay here and keep working. But you know what? It would be so much better to just go home. You ever felt that way before? I don't think Paul was... Well, you may have an argument for Paul being miserable in this instance. He is in prison. But I don't think Paul hated his life on earth. 
In fact, if you read where Paul is going to Jerusalem, there's a man that comes to him and uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit tells him, hey, when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get arrested. (laughs) You're going to be in a lot of trouble. And there were people there that were crying and begging him not to go. And he says, why do you break my heart? (laughs) It's not that he wanted to die. I don't think you find that in the Scriptures at all, that Paul wanted to die. But he was ready to. He said it would be far better if I were just gone, if I were just home. And regardless of whether or not you believe in the waiting place or whether he'll go straight to Christ, the point stands that he's just ready to move on. Now while he's here, he's going to continue working, but he's ready. You ever been that way at work? I work from 7 a.m. to 3.30 uh, most of the time. Last week we went from 6.30, or excuse me, 6 to 2.30. And that was pretty nice because I got a whole extra hour in the afternoon. But going back from that to 7 to 3.30, around 2.30, I was getting ready to go home. <laughs> I, I, I just loathed that last hour. And that's kind of where Paul was at. Look, I'm going to keep working, but I've only got a little bit left. <laughs> and I'm ready to go home. That's kind of what Paul's attitude was here. Do we have that attitude? Are we looking forward to dying? <laughs> I know that's an odd question. And a lot of times, if we're honest, no, we're not. We're not looking forward to that, are we? Paul was. Paul was ready for this life to be over. Uh, In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, this is Paul again writing in verses 6 through 8. So we are always confident knowing that while we're home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. See, Paul is constantly making this contrast with being home in the body. In this instance, being home in the body and being home with the Lord. And he's saying, look, being with the Lord is better. (laughs) Do you believe that? Do you believe it would be better to be home with the Lord rather than be here in this world? Let's be honest, there's a lot of good stuff in this world. And we'll get into that more later on, but there's a lot of good stuff in this world, but it's nothing compared to what's waiting for us. Shouldn't we be happy that when this life is over, we get to go home? Shouldn't we be looking forward to that? You know, death is a scary thing. And I'll admit, death has been a scary thing in my life a lot of times. But the only way to really escape death is for Christ to return. So I want to t- shift focus a little bit. Maybe not, are you ready to die, but are you ready for Christ to come back? In uh, Revelations 22 and verse 20, uh, Jesus has been talking with His apostle John, and He tells them, hey, I'm coming quickly. He who testifies these things says, surely I am coming quickly. And John's response was, amen, or let it be so, even so come Lord Jesus. What did Jesus just tell him? Hey, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming. And John says, even so come. I am ready. Are you ready for Christ to come back? If this was Christ speaking to us today and He says, hey, I'm coming soon. We sing songs that say that, don't we? Jesus is coming soon. Do we say, even so come? Well, give me just a little bit more time though. I got things I want to do first. I have things to take care of first. Do we want Christ to come back or not? You ready for Him to come back or not? John was ready. In uh, 
Well, well, I thought I had more verses than that. I guess I don't. <laughs> but John was ready for Christ to come back. John was ready. He was waiting for Him. He was saying, even so, come, because he said, I'm coming quickly. Do we not want Christ to come? You know, whether we leave this life in a casket or in the clouds meeting Jesus in the air, wouldn't that be far better than anything on this earth? Why are we not looking forward to that? Why are we constantly hoping and praying that God will give us more time? You ever prayed that before? Just give me more time? I'll be honest, I've prayed that before. I remember as a kid, at least, praying to God, just give me more time. Give me time to find my spouse. Give me time to have kids. Give me time to do all the things I want to do. Give me time to find a house. Give me time for this and that and all these other things. And... But that's not the attitude of a Christian. Or at least it shouldn't be. Because whatever we have looking to look forward to in this life is nothing compared to what's waiting for us. So why are we not looking forward to this? Let, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, there's a story in... Uh, Matthew 16, and it starts in verse 24. It says, Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Like I said before, there's a lot of good things in this world. A lot of great things in this world. I'm very glad for the things that I have. I've got a really good family. I've got really good friends. I've got a great wife. And I've got a lot of things to look forward to. And the thing that I'm really looking forward to most here recently is the birth of my daughter. I cannot wait. What are we, six and a half weeks away from our due date? Something like that? I can't wait. I can't wait to hold my baby daughter in my arms. I can't wait to watch her grow up and to train her in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I can't wait to watch her meet some boy that I'm going to give a hard time that's going to lead her back to the, down the path of righteousness that she can lead to the path of righteousness. I can't wait for those things. But above all else, I can't wait to go to heaven. Because that's far better as hard as that is to say, as hard as that is to think, is far better than anything we can look forward to in this life. To go home. I can't wait for that. Above all else. And Jesus is telling His people, if you really want that, you're going to have to put aside some of the things that you want. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with wanting a good family and with, for wanting to raise kids. In fact, God says that's a great thing. It's a blessing to have children. And those of you that are already parents already know that. But we have a greater blessing awaiting us if we will just deny the things that we want in this life. We have to deny the things that we want and do the things that He wants us to do in order to gain that. You know, there's a lot of people that can't do that. There's a lot of people that can't deny themselves. 
And that's really, really prevalent here in America. Because we could have everything we could ever want. I mean, just look at Amazon. I mean, we pay for a subscription so that we can buy stuff and have it come to our house the next day so we can use it for a week and send it back and buy something else. Free return policies and all that. We could have anything we could ever want. And it's really hard for us to put the things that we want down when we're so used to getting whatever we want. Let's talk about a man, if you consider this a true story, that got everything he ever wanted. And let's look at what it got him. Let's, talk, let's look about who Jesus is speaking to here in Luke 16, verse 14. The Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things that Jesus was saying and they derided him. In the King James, it says the Pharisees were covetous. These are people that cared about the things of this world. They cared about wealth. They cared about comfort. They cared about power. And so Jesus tells them this story. In verse 19, it says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of swords, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So we're introduced to these two characters. One of them is a rich person who threw his whole life away, who spent his whole life gathering wealth and comfort and... Excuse the voice crack. (laughs) He was clothed in purple and fine linen. He was a very comfortable, wealthy man. And you have this beggar who presumably spent his whole life looking after the things of God, desiring the things of God. And he was poor. These are the two characters we're we're introduced to. And it says, So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there's a great gulf fixed that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. You can see the point that Jesus is making with these Pharisees here. Whether or not you believe this is a true story or a parable, the point is made... That this man who cared about riches and cared about comfort and cared about wealth, look what it got him. That's Jesus' point to these Pharisees, these covetous lovers of money. Look what it got them. Didn't get them very far, did it? Abraham told him, look, you had comfort in life. You were happy. You had great things. Now look at where you are. I think a lot of times we're afraid to let those things go, to deny ourselves and let go of the comfort, let go of the wealth, let go of... I mean, we're so comfortable here in this country, aren't we? I mean, we get upset if the AC is off by three degrees. (laughs) For goodness sakes, we're comfortable. (laughs) 
Where are, where are our priorities? And again, there's nothing wrong with having a job and gathering money to provide for your family, but at what point does that become our priority over getting to heaven? Because isn't that far better, as Paul said? It's far better. Yet we're blinded by ourselves and our own interests, and we, we refuse to deny ourselves and let the power of God take over and let Him guide our lives because we're so worried about being comfortable. Look where it got him. In Matthew 6 and verse 19 through 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your treasure? You know, treasure is an interesting word. It's been kind of hijacked to mean like silver, gold, and jewels and all that. But really all treasure means is your valuables. It's something you value. What do you value? Because whatever you value is where your heart's at. Do you value heaven or do you value your life on this earth? What's more valuable? What do you care more about? And I've heard it said that we can tell what you care about by your bank account and your uh, calendar. <laughs> what do you spend your time and money on? There's a lot of things that take over those things, isn't there? I mean, there was a month on our calendar every day was booked. <laughs> it seemed like we had no spare time. How much of that is spent on the church? How much is spent on... Bible studies, how much is spent on God? We only have a certain amount of time. It's a currency that we can never get back and we're constantly spending. Where are you spending it? What do you, what do you value? Because here Jesus says, if your value is not in heaven, if you don't value heaven, you're not going to get there. You know, God's going to give us what we want. And, well, I won't say it exactly like that. God gives us, in the end, what we desire. If we desire heaven, and we pursue heaven, and we do all the things necessary to receive heaven from God, that's what we'll get. That's what He's promised. If we don't care enough to do those things, or care enough to put our value in those things, we're not going to get it. So what do you value? Matthew 19, verses 20 through 22, it says, The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? If you remember, this is a story of the rich young ruler. Came to Jesus and said, What do I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him a list of things. He said, Look, I've done all these things. Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had... Great possessions. This man had something standing in his way. He had something in his way that he cared more about than going to heaven. That was his question. How do I get to heaven? Jesus said, do this. I don't want to do that. Then you don't want heaven. 
If there's something in your way that you can't get rid of because you want that more, you don't want heaven. That's the point. You're not homesick. If we're not willing to put the things aside that really don't matter, and in the end, Peter says they're all going to be burned away, our life is wasted. Our life is meaningless. Because we've missed the best thing. We've missed the thing that's far better. So this evening, whether you leave in a casket from this life, or whether Jesus takes you home, are you ready for that? Can you look at the end of your life, at the casket, at the cemetery, and say, to depart is far better. Can you look at Jesus coming in the clouds, trumpets blaring, and think, even so come. You know, the reason I started studying this is because a friend of mine uh, shared that he was driving with his fiance, and his fiance, there was a, a beautiful sunset, and it was like really weird colors. It was like green, pinks, and purples and all that. And his fiance said, that's kind of what I see whenever I picture Jesus coming back. And it freaked him out. <laughs> And he didn't want to talk about it. And what he realized is, I'm not ready for that. I don't want him to come back yet. Why? He said other things that were more important. Can you imagine Christ coming back? Can you imagine the trumpets blaring and he calls your name and you say, Not yet! (laughs) I have other things I want to do. I want to raise my kids. I want to do this. I want to get a promotion. I want to have a house. I want to do... Can you imagine Jesus being like, oh, okay, I'll give you more time. That's not how it works. Do you care or not? Do you want him to come back or not? Are you homesick or not? If you're not, we need to work on that. And I'll tell you, I've been working on it. It's been hard to think of all the things I have in this world, to think of all the things I'm going to have in this world, and think, well, to depart would be better. It's hard. But we've got to work at it, or we're going to miss it. I don't want to miss it, and I don't want you to miss it. And there's not a person in this room that wants you to miss it. So at this time, if you need help getting there, if you need help being homesick for heaven. We've set aside a song that we're going to sing that you can come forward and confess your faults, ask for prayers, or even become a child of God in the first place so that you can say to depart would be better, even so come, Lord Jesus. Would you let your desires be known as we stand and sing?